Welcome to another episode of What is Hashimoto's with Dr. Martin Rutherford. To find out more on any of our topics or for information on scheduling a consultation with Dr. Rutherford, please visit us at whatishashimoto's.com. And now, here's Dr. Rutherford. Okay, so the presentation today is what causes SIBO. I do so much SIBO, I didn't even think that this was like, like, uh, like, like a mystery. <laughs> but it is. It seems to be a mystery among uh, the patients that I've been treating. And, um, and then looking online, it's, there's a lot of interesting suppositions as to what causes small intestinal bacterial growth. Um, it's not rocket science. It's, 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 it's a lot of things in some ways and in other ways it's not. Basically, small intestinal bacterial growth is an overgrowth of bad bacteria, frankly, first and primarily in your large intestines. And then it's caused by a breakdown of your digestive process. So you have to, to digest, you have to have proper stomach function. There's a lot of digestive juices in there, their primary job is to um, break down your proteins in the stomach, um, cause your food to become alkaline instead of acidic. Your intestines is alkaline, doesn't really like acidic stuff going into it. And the stomach acids are supposed to sterilize your food. Sterilize. Like, like, like everybody's got candida, everybody's got yeast, everybody's got fungus, everybody's got H. pylori. When I say everybody, it's like 90, 95% of the human race has H. pylori. Everybody's got candida, everybody's got funguses, but they don't express themselves because the physiology of our body neutralizes them. Well, this is where it starts by you having enough hydrochloric acid in your stomach and sterilizing that food and keeping the stomach sterile. If that doesn't happen, it sets off a whole lot of bad stuff it tells your gallbladder not to work right. Your gallbladder does way, 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 way more than just digest fat. It has a lot to do with your immune system, has a lot to do with dampening inflammation, it has antimicrobials in there, and then there are signals that are sent out to your pancreas. Now your pancreas doesn't work as far as digestion goes. Um, and, uh, and the next thing you know, you have undigested food particles sitting there. All of that's causing a leaky gut. All of that's causing inflammation. All of that's causing food sensitivities. For those of you who believe in food sensitivities, I had a patient yesterday who says they don't exist. Um, that was interesting. They exist and they are a big problem because when you eat those foods, they create inflammatory processes. That causes something called cortisol to go up. That causes blood sugar to go out into your system. All of that causes stress on the system and that all of those things cause leaky gut. But what they cause before they cause leaky gut is they cause gas bloating and distension. That's what they cause. When you start getting the bloating, and the bloating is after you eat starches or fibers or sugars, it's, you have now made a lot of back bacteria because of the improper environment in your intestine. And there's a lot of theories on bacteria and this bacteria strain and that bacteria. It's not about all that. It's about the balance between good and bad bacteria. And so, um, and so what happens is, your good bacteria start turning bad. You start making more bad bacteria in your colon, in your large intestines. You now start getting bloating and distension. 
and there's a valve between your your large intestines and your small intestines and the food's moving this way goes through the valve goes in here sits here and now you start getting gas and you start getting bloating that opens the valve in between and now these bad bacteria that everything's supposed to be moving this way small intestines valve large intestines toilet everything's supposed to be moving into the toilet once you start getting the gas it opens that valve and now those little bad bacteria start crawling up your small intestines and they can crawl literally all the way back up to your stomach how large your, how long is your large intestines like 24 feet on average something like that so so it crawls all the way back out there, screws up your gallbladder, screws up your pancreas, screws up your stomach. It's the very thing that causes it. Now you have this, now you have this vicious cycle of small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. So the question really is what caused small intestinal bacteria overgrowth? Was it that, or was it what caused that whole process to begin, what caused the stomach to stop digesting? And that's really where people, I think, miss out on treating small intestinal bacteria. Not to mention any names, but we have colleagues online that have their small intestinal bacteria overgrowth supplements and diet and so on and so forth. And a lot of you may have tried them, and a lot of you may have said, ooh, I felt good. And then two weeks, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks later, it came back. All right. And it came back because you didn't really get to the ultimate cause. And the ultimate cause is whatever caused what whatever caused the stomach to shut down, or whatever slowed down the stomach, the pancreas, and the gallbladder. That's the ultimate cause. Number one cause of that is chronic stress. And there's a lot of SIBO in this country because <laughs> I treat a lot of it. Uh, I treat a lot of Hashimoto's patients. Just kind of a kind of an interesting fact. Seventy uh, percent of Hashimoto's patients are deemed to have small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. So what's one of the causes? One of the causes is hypothyroidism. One of the ca causes is the hypothyroid aspect of Hashimoto's because it slows down your stomach and it slows down your gallbladder and your pancreas from doing their job and digesting your food and sterilizing your food and alkalizing your food. And then that sets off all these mechanisms that ultimately create the small intestinal bacteria. That's the number two cause. Hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's hype, Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. We now know that most hypothyroid is actually Hashimoto's. Number one cause is stress. The number one cause in this country by far is stress. Why is that? It's because stress is a primal mechanism. It's a, it's it, the stress response is is in our brain stem. A lot of people call that a reptile brain, our, our old brain. And it's, it's just a basic survival mechanism. I mean, you look around, you see something that, that's dangerous and you go into fight flight. Stress is fight flight. Stress puts you in fight flight. It's, it, and, and, and then it gets you in a physiological uh, situation of where you're putting out adrenaline, you're putting out something called aldosterone so, you're, so, you're, so, you're, so your bronchioles are dilating. So you gotta get enough oxygen in you got to get you, you have to you have to get enough blood from your gut all the way up to here the adrenaline's pumping you up and, and and now you're ready to fight or flee life today is pretty stressful apparently at least according to my pop, patient population and um and and there's very few of my patients ever come in here 
without some sort of anxiety. Uh, sometimes it reaches the panic attacks, emotional traumas. It blows me away. Um, the amount of emotional trauma that people go through today. Uh, and then just society and the speeding up of society, the whole thing, the cell phones, the whole thing, it's all real. It's real and it's killing us. It's actually really wearing us down at the very least. Maybe it's not killing us. Maybe better if it killed us. Otherwise, we, otherwise we actually just kind of slowly uh, you know, get worse. Uh, we slowly kind of deteriorate was the, term, was the word I was looking for. So basically what happens is the stress response puts you in fight flight and it doesn't put you in like full bore flight fight like oh my god there's the bear i gotta run or i gotta fight but it's put you in so that's like it's, let's say that's a 10 or a 12 so it puts you in like a three or a four or a five or a six or a seven and so when when you go into fight flight and you're running from the bear and you're at full 10 it shuts down your digestive system and it shuts down your urinary bladder why Nature seems to know you don't need to be peeing or pooping or sitting at the dinner table eating while you're running from the bear or fighting the bear, whichever choice you make. So it shuts it down. But when you're at a four, it still shuts it down, but it only shuts it down at a four. But then maybe that paralyzes your stomach so the digestive juices can't be produced properly. It definitely slows your gallbladder down. It's like the number one cause of gallbladder out is like stress and number two causes thyroid. That's, that's, and then the number three cause of shutting your stomach down to SIBO after all of that has been done. So, so that's really what causes it. Really, in the end, I think the correct answer to that question is chronic stress. Secondarily, um, Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, or if there is still such a thing as hypothyroidism, then hypothyroidism. And then the third most common thing is once you've done all of that, and, 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 and once all that has occurred, and once that it's, all of that has had its effects, and you develop small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, then that actually perpetuates upon itself by crawling the way back up there, creating this kind of vicious cycle. And then that perpetuates itself as far as, as far as SIBO goes. So to me, that's the physiology of SIBO. To me, that's the physiology. See, and it's a, it's a big reason why a lot of you out there will do, I do the FODMAP diet and I felt better, but uh, can I, do I have to be on that for the rest of my life? Yeah, if you don't fix any of that other stuff, and 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 then you're going to develop new food sensitivities to the FODMAPs. <laughs> so then you got food sensitivities to the FODMAPs that you're eating because you haven't you haven't fixed the broken down digestive system that's causing you know the small intestinal bacteria growth. So you have this whole mess going on, and um, and 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 so that's part of the part of the issue. And that there's that whole I have a I have a um, chart here called the brain gut gut brain axis um, where the brain screws up the gut and then the gut gets leaky gut and then things leak out and then they all go back up the brain but essentially that same mechanism is is really what causes SIBO so I think that pretty well covers it there's a lot of nuances to, to like getting that better there's certain things that you have to do like at the same time and so on and so forth but for many of you watching this if you've tried a lot of those things that work you might be going like Oh, well, um, I didn't know that. I, d I didn't know it had anything to do with my stomach. Or I didn't know it had anything to do with my stress. Or, you know, and I, I've, I have had people take, say I took Xanax and my SIBO seemed to get better <laughs> because it calmed down their digestive system and it wasn't bad enough yet. And so it kind of self-corrected and their SIBO got, was able to, to, to resolve. But they were in the early stages and they were mild cases. But nevertheless, it gives you the illustration of, of 
how much dampening of stress response can actually help your SIBO. Uh, it, it, in most cases, it's not going to completely get rid of it like that. But, it, in, but if you're not treating that while you're treating the other things, it's not going away. So anyway, that's what causes SIBO. That's kind of the mechanics of it. Um, that's how we address it. And uh, it's very important for us to address it because a huge part of my practice is Hashimoto's, and I just stated 70% of them have SIBO. I can attest to that. At least 70% of them have SIBO. And, and, if you don't, and if you don't get that under control, you know, it's a problem. So that is my description of what I have come to embrace as the cause of small intestinal bacteria overgrowth or the causes of small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. Thank you for joining us for another episode of What is Hashimoto's? To find out more on any of our topics or for information on scheduling a consultation with Dr. Rutherford, please visit us at whatishashimoto's.com.